Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 467 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Oh, that's right. Put it up front this week. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how we doing? I'm good. I'm ready to rock and roll. Take this Lamborghini around the internet for a few laps. It's all good. And hey, uh, you'll hear it at the end of this. I also want to show, uh, uh, give a shout out to David Kincannon, who's been working overtime for helping us. Uh, made like a little bumper thing for soon to be named network uh, that I'm going to be throwing at the end of all my shows that I do. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if the other shows do. If they do, great. If they don't, that's cool. It'll make me feel a little bit more special that we get the extra stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, Todd, we got a big show this week. A real big show. That's right. Well, it's a big, bad show tonight. I'm a giant show. <laughs> in, the mu- in his music, it says, you won't see it coming. He's a seven-foot-tall, 500-pound man who talks like that impersonation that Todd just did. Mm-hmm. You won't see him coming. He's real stealthy and whatnot. And everywhere he goes, people are like, hey, it's Andre's son. So oh, he sticks out, man. Of all the lyrics of all the songs and all of the wrestling uh, entrance themes, and we could sit here and talk about Billy Gunn's theme all day, but that's the one line that I just can't get out of my head. Okay. I was worried what one it was. Now I feel better. Mm -hmm. So, news. We have a follow-up to a discussion that we had here right uh, on this very program in regards to an up-and-coming creator maybe finally getting that opportunity that, at the very least, we think he deserves. Mm -hmm. Also, all the companies decided to start rolling out their December solicitations like a week and a half early. I'm not really sure why, but it's messing with my head. But that does give us some additional information about Marvel's upcoming, incoming event. Last but not least, Todd, someone has been busy these last seven days. (laughs) Who could it be? Someone who is not only a legend in his own mind, a legend in his own right, but such a legend that he gets his own segment in the news the Rob Watch overfloweth this week. <laughs> Just slopping over with Rob Watch. Somebody get a mop for all this Rob that's all over the floor. All or, all of this the Rob. My apologies. Exactly. Slap some respect on that. Right. Uh, we have the conventions this week, and there's a couple. Uh, digital sales and freebies. What we read this past week, which is Doomsday Clock numero 11. And Legion of Superheroes Millennium number one. Uh, we also have the return of the Mutant Minute. And I say the return. It was here last week. It had like a week off two weeks ago, but it's here. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week, uh, as well as uh, Todd's Art Attack. I think we had some Art Attack stuff as well. Yes, we did. Plus various and sundry other things. Mm-hmm. So last week we had discussed writer Tom Taylor. He, who uh, has written a bunch of things, most notably had a ton of success, uh, at least, I guess, not so much as critical success, but at the very least, uh, uh, sales success with his Injustice books, right? 
Right. And we had talked like, hey, there needs to be some sort of book that he's kind of the front runner on. Like it's his book. It's not like something that he kind of comes in on. It's like, well, this is the fourth iteration of a Spider-Man book and we'll throw him on it. Or like, oh, it's X-23's book or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Or we'll put him on X-Men Red. It's not gold. It's not blue. It's not the main book, but it's like the fourth one down. Mm hmm. Needs to be the headliner on something. So there was a bunch of speculation from last week. There was a bunch of things that got tweeted out. He was teasing stuff. He had a red edit last week uh, <laughs> where he discussed kind of the end of Deceased. And then DC had a press release that was supposed to go out on Tuesday that they accidentally put out Monday night, uh, which is Tom Taylor, along with his artist from the Injustice series, Bruno Redondo, are going to be taking over Suicide Squad this upcoming December. And I am all in on that. I'm a bit, you know me, I bite for the Suicide Squad just to, that idea. Now you add Tom Taylor, who I'm a big fan of. I'm I'm gonna give that a try, you know, day one, you know, hour one when that shows up. Right. We had talked about this that whatever the next big thing that he's coming up on, um, you know, I would certainly hop on the front of that with you. And if I'm not mistaken, this is something that had been toyed around and teased around with that Warren Ellis was supposed to be doing some sort of big Suicide Squad book, wasn't no, it? it was Brian Azzarello. Brian Azzarello, that's who it was. And it was supposed to involve Wally because he was in jail for his crime. And it was going to be all different stuff. And But then Azzarello kind of had that falling out over Batman Damned. Yeah, I think, but he's doing another book for for DC, which confuses me. If you're like you're out, you're out. You know what I mean? Unless he has a, unless he has a uh, an exclusive contract, then you have to work. But uh, yeah, I so I, this was hopefully the Suicide Squad kind of idea we were supposed to get before, but got shelved because of whatever happened. I don't know. So and again, Suicide Squad is a big property. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's got Harley Quinn in it, so that should just be enough. But it's also mirroring a team that's very similar to the team that was in the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, You know, whatever your opinion on that may be. And there's a Suicide Squad movie sequel that's currently being made. Right, with James Gunn at the helm. So, like, hopefully this book will still be running when the movie comes out. And, you know, maybe that'll give, you know, Tom Taylor the bump at the comic shop, too, so... I hope so, anyway. Right. So, again, uh, big thing coming up here. So that's pretty cool for fans of Tom Taylor, waiting for him to get on something big. And we did get something uh, big in regards to the next big Marvel event. Uh, They teased it at the uh, Disney 23, whatever it was. Uh, So I guess it's going to be like the end of 2019 rolling into 2020, which is crazy to say. Um, (laughs) Not too, too much more information about what incoming is. I think they said they are going to reveal more information later this week. Uh, But there's a bunch of puzzle pieces, Deadly Alliance. You're seeing X people involved. You're seeing people dead. You're seeing somebody laying on a slab. Uh, but we do have a creative team at the very least, and it looks like it's going to be like a big giant anthology jam sort of thing. Right. Uh, Al Ewing, Dan Slott, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Thompson, etc., etc. And it's just like a mysterious murder brings the Marvel Universe together. 
And I can only imagine that this is going to be how all of these things, this big thing, touches all of these other books written by all of those other folks. Right. And I guess it's also involving the Masked Rider, who was a thing coming out of that Marvel 1000 that neither one of us read. Right. Um, my take on this is like, it's got a lot of good creators, so I'm probably going to, you know, give it a look, see over, but the one thing that like, and you know, I don't want to complain, but the one thing that's, that's kind of got me going like, ah, well, you know, we'll see is another murder, like a murder. It's like another, like everything has to revolve around something, somebody dying in an event in comics anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, so, and I know, I don't know if you know this, you've been around as long as I have. Murder isn't, you know, death isn't permanent in comics. So as long as I live and read comics, death will not have the punch in comics that it used to. So whenever I hear this, I go, oh, okay. You know, like, you're not going to grab me with, uh, you're going to grab me with the mystery, but not so much the murder, if that makes any sense. Right, we're still a little ways away from uh, what that's going to be, and I'm sure it'll end up getting spoiled somewhere between now and the book coming out of what it's actually all about. Who, you know, the mystery, the person who was murdered, and the person who did it. Read it next month at Marvel right. Comics. So, now it's time for the giant-sized Rob Watch. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we're going to start with the appetizers of the Rob Watch, where... We finally got information about the big Image United miniseries that Image started some 10 years ago. Uh, back in May, Rob said that he was working on some pages for it. Then just recently, uh, Todd McFarlane said, and I'm not going to do Todd's impersonation, even though I do the impersonation of Todd from having watched a bunch of the episodes of the Spawn animated series from HBO. <laughs> Right. He was the Crypt Keeper of that show. You remember yep. that? He was the Spawn Keeper. Mm-hmm. He said, you could do the, that book and finish it, but it would have been such a huge gap. You've got to educate a whole generation to get you there. Keep that in mind, a generation, because it's been 10 years. Or do something new, relevant, and current that somehow gets the vibe of everything. We're actually having some of those conversations right now. But then, of course, this weekend, Rob put the kibosh on it, saying Todd stopped working on it entirely, informed the rest of us he wasn't going to contribute any further, and it died. No chance whatsoever uh, now that now that young blood is no longer with me or Image. And, of course, gonna, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be our bridge to the next story, but go ahead. I was say, just doesn't that, like, make it tougher to produce the comic when you don't own the characters anymore? Yeah, that's another little stumbling block as well. Right. Uh, so Rob, of course, mentions uh, Youngblood, so that Andrew Rev guy uh, who owns the characters and has been doing an over-the-top troll job with his terrific productions comic books thing. That's right. He owns the characters and he owns Twitter, too. Right. Uh, but somebody had brought up to Rob about the characters, of course. Uh, Rob says, in regards to Youngblood back in July, an executive from a big movie studio called and asked me what it would take to bring me on board to do a Youngblood movie. Uh, they threw a really big number at me, the biggest I'd ever seen. <laughs> I said I couldn't be involved with Youngblood any longer. I told them I no longer had the publishing rights. And as a result, I would no longer involve myself. He was like, well, if you aren't in- involved in Youngblood, we aren't interested in pursuing it. I told him I could only invest my time in the creations of mine that I participate in. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know what to think about that. I just like the idea of a studio. Right. Call a big movie studio. Cold calling Rob and saying, we want to do a Youngblood movie and throw a really big number at him. The biggest number he had ever seen. <laughs> now, I don't know, Todd. I've seen a lot of numbers in my day. So I guess maybe they offered Rob a gazillion dollars. Oh, <laughs> he wants that in cash in a, in a suitcase. <laughs> they offered him infinity plus one numbers. A Googleplex, please. Right, a Googleplex. Oh, I don't know. That's the biggest number I've ever seen. I don't know. He's delightful. So, of course, Rob has got his dander up. Uh, the terrific ink guy, uh, Andrew Rev, is riling him up. So, of course, this gets... And I think it started with Rob tweeting out about how his man, Deadpool, topped the uh, charts again or something. Right. So then he starts putting out there, does the Rob about how uh, DC, and again, I don't want to, you know, he starts saying how like DC is creatively bankrupt, um, how they don't put out anything good. And he keeps leaning on Camelot 3000. It's this like end all be all of quality at DC, right? Mm -hmm. And again, that's a weird place to pick, right? Um, and he just says that DC's not producing anywhere near the level of comics I grew up supporting. Ask for better, right? And he lists a lot of things, you know, but he always brings up Camelot 3000. And I've never read Camelot 3000. I have no interest in, in doing so, right? I've never read it either, just for full, you know, disclosure. Right. So he's fighting back and forth with, you know, regular fans. And then Sean Gordon Murphy, who does the Batman White Knight book over at DC, right? Mm-hmm. He gets involved. And he's like, hey, Rob, no disrespect. I grew up reading your stuff, but there's a ton of hardworking people uh, busting their butts on DC books right now. Most not paid nearly as well or you or I. Don't you think the DC sucks now tweets are really disrespectful to those people? You're a hero to many of them, me included. This job is hard enough without hearing your heroes dismiss all your hard work. Uh, Again, not trying to start drama. Big fan of what you've done for comics. We owe you and the other found, uh, founders a big debt. Uh, then Rob, of course, replies, and he says, uh, hang on, let me get results on Leafield, and he misspelled his own last name. Uh, DC sucks. Nope, doesn't show up. I wonder why. Uh, so rather than spread nonsense about what I did not say, let's agree to stick with the facts of what I actually did say. I don't enjoy much of the output from DC right now, and I'd like to buy more. Uh, and he says that it's too early in the morning for me to run out and get your books, and he got the White Knight book later on in the day. And then somebody, some Rob fan went and uh, cop caller snitch tag a, <laughs> a blog that Sean, Moore, Sean Gordon Murphy wrote Uh 10 years ago uh hang where he shared a story told me by a woman who used to babysit Rob the Rob excuse me then someone emailed me about it being linked on a rumor section of a website I thought it was odd to have a tabloid section of a news site uh, that featured links uh, and I guess it was a story both alleging Rob of doing cocaine 
No. And also, a, an alleged story of Rob uh, once ran himself over with his own car. <sighs> now, I wonder if those are mutually exclusive, though, okay, or if they're so, combined. So, the cocaine story gets shot down by all parties involved, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Eric Larson chimes in, says Rob's not a drug user, so on and so forth. And then Rob thought about it. And he did run himself over with his own car. Oh, he says, after, like, fighting that it didn't happen for, like, days, like, for hours, right? Right. Uh, that he was dropping uh, movies off at Blockbuster. And a woman jumped in his car while it was still running. Panicked that he was walking back and lunged to go forward and drilled Rob through the glass of the blockbuster, ran out of the car and onto the street. The car was still running, pinning me. I'm half in and out of the store. People are screaming inside. Um, so on and so forth. Cops cam. He didn't have to pay the whole damages. And that happened in January of 2000. That was 19 years ago, Joe. Who remembers being pinned by a car 19 years ago? Right, but he didn't run himself over with a car, but he knows what the situation was. Right, right. Define run yourself over. Right, so I just wanted to throw that out there, of course. So Rob had a busy week, but his whole big thing is he kind of goes on and, like, backtracked a little bit regarding his remarks about D.C., you know, kind of keeps going back. Somebody needs to do Camelot 3001 just to get Rob back to DC <laughs> Comics. Giff uh, and Dematis like they did that uh, Justice League 3001. I think they were actually in it, to tell you the truth. But but go ahead. Right. Uh, but he's, Rob's big thing is if you'd like to discuss the business of why DC throws Batman comic after Batman comic at retailers in order to ensure that they don't lose even more ground to their rival, I'd love to have that discussion. That's business, not art. And that's, you know, part of what he says there. Um, kind of just saying um, the uh, DC has been impeded by, a biz- by business decisions of a management team that lacks the tools to build beyond Batman. And this is where I kind of agree with Rob. Where he goes off and, and Sean Murphy, you know, or Sean Gordon Murphy comes after him and everything is is like, yes, Rob goes around it, about it in a crappy way, but Rob makes some bad points and some good points. D- DC in the 80s was very diverse in the titles that they did. They had superhero titles, they had crime stories, they had government stories. It was all really good. But the part that really hits home is where he talks about that they now they just use Batman as a crutch. Throw more Batman books out there. So, Joe, I did a little research and I took the previews, which were of uh, November, which, you know, stuff that's coming out in November because I did not have the old previews that I had already fulfilled my orders. But I have this one. And let's go over a few numbers, if you're interested, of what's going on at DC in the month of November. Is that good with you, Joe? Yes. Okay. Ongoing comics. Of ongoing comics, there are 20 non-Batman comics that month. There are seven Batman comics. Of okay. One show, right? So that's, that's what, like a third of their output? 27, or, sure, sure. Actually, it's a little less than a third. Because if you're, looking at tw- if you're looking at a sampling of 27 books and you're saying seven are Batman, 20 are not Batman. Right. A third would be nine. 
So I'm sorry. Less than a third. Right. Um, so, because I look at it as, tw- uh, right. So, and then one shots, there are five one shots coming out in the month of November. Uh, are there, uh, are, are six one shots coming out? Five are non-Batman, one is Batman. But two of the, I, this is where I kind of got confused on what I should do. Two of them were uh, Shazam and Blue Beetle, where they're infected by the Batman who laughs. So I said, all right, Batman's not, not in the solicitations. So I didn't do them as Batman books. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, but there are five one shots and uh, six one shots, five Batman, or, or five non Batman, one Batman. And then a miniseries that month, there are 16 miniseries, non Batman, and seven Batman miniseries going on at the time. So overall, for the whole month of uh, November, there are 41 non-Batman books and 15 Batman books altogether. Uh, that being uh, 56 books in all. Uh, I did not include the Walmart books, reprints, and stuff like that. I just went with stuff with all new material. Um, I find that interesting that that's a good chunk. And in November, there's no Superman books. There's no action or no Superman that month, which I don't know what's going on there. But to me, so they're that... being weirdly like advanced solicited. Mm-hmm. So you said it's fifty six books, and how many of them are Batman? Fifteen to forty one. Okay, Batman. so that's a little bit over twenty five percent. Right, that's a lot. Uh, let's say like twenty seven percent. Let's just say for sake of argument. Right. So, and I get, to me, that's, I mean, that's their bread and butter, but that is a lot of books. And this is at the time where DC isn't putting out, at this point, we're putting out Batman and Detective only one time a month. You know what I mean? Back before this, Batman and Detective was a two time a month book. So it was up there. And then I did some other numbers, like where you're, it's fun to like look at the black label. They're trying to get the black label off the ground. And these are the titles that are in the hopper or out for black label. Like we're gonna, we're starting a new label. What should we put out? Batman Damned, Batman Last Night on Earth. So that's two. Superman Year One, Batman Curse of the White Knight again, Joker Harley Criminal Sanity, Harleen. Then there's something called The Last God. So that's so far out of all these two aren't Batman related. Then Joker Killer Smile. So another Batman related one. Then The Question. So another not Batman one. And then in the in the hopper coming up unproduced are the history of the DC Universe. God only knows if Batman will be in that. And Batman the Three Jokers. So the new label that they're starting, they're like, well, forget everybody else. 90% Batman. And I look at that as like like DC does do that. It's like why should why should we put out anything that's interesting or fun? Uh, Batman will prop up those numbers. Sad part is it kind of works. <laughs> so I don't know. I just find it weird that 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 a quarter of their almost a quarter of their books are all Batman related. Mm-hmm. So are are you proving that the Rob is right? I think so, and I think those numbers will only go up over time. Like uh, the next previews and the next previews, like it'll fluctuate, but it'll 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 go up a little bit. But they DC's like we'll put out another Batman project, always. Right now, I didn't get obviously. I didn't know that this was what your plan was going to be, but I'm sure there is something at Marvel that is printed just as plentiful as this, right? 
I don't have the Marvel solicitations at my fingertips for November. And I know they're in the midst of a big resurgence of them, but I, I would fathom that there's similar numbers, maybe not 27%, but, you know, definitely at least 20% X-Men stuff being put out. You know, even if you want right. to take into consideration solos and one-shots and stuff like that, right? I have the, the Marvel previews right in front of me. Okay. So there, uh, in the month of November, Marvel New Mutants 1 and 2 comes out. X-Force 1 and 2 comes out. Fallen Angels 1 and 2 comes out. Um, X-Men number 2, Excalibur number 1, uh, Marauders, that's a mutant book. Uh, and then we, then we get into some some Annihilation stuff. And then the, the, the Absolute Carnage stuff is still going on. Uh, Spider-Man has a couple of books. So over there, I think it's it's more spread out to what mm-hmm. what they have. They have their houses, obviously the houses at Marvel, the houses at House of M. But they don't have as they don't have one predominant character. They lay it out over three houses: the the mutants, the spiders. Uh, trying to think what else was in there, uh, and then maybe a couple other things. But they have they have less. Uh, they have more than one character that they push. Well, you got you got mutants, you got spiders, and then you got Avengers and Avengers related, that, right? That's true, yes. But then you have like the fourth option, which is the folks that don't quite fit in, because like Fantastic Four and their books don't fit in to Spider Man or X Men or Avengers, and they're kind of like a little their house, but they're a much smaller house. Mm-hmm. But where I'm going with this is, so with DC, and, you know, while Todd and I are both more DC at the end of the day than Marvel people, it's been this way for a very long time, where I am getting more Marvel books than DC books. Me too, I think. You know, there was even a time where I was probably getting just as many, if not more, image books than I was DC books. And it was just the way that the cards were kind of falling and different series were coming and going. And, you know, we are not the atypical audience. And I do remember there was a time where Marvel was on such a high Deadpool kick. I think they were publishing no less than like five or six Deadpool books. I month. want to say it was seven or eight, to tell you the truth. Right. But I it was remember crazy it numbers. It was ridiculous. Right. And Deadpool is not Batman and vice versa. And right. that ended very quickly. You know, I don't think that ran very long. I think if it ran six to eight months, I'm giving it a lot more credit than it deserves. Okay. But DC wouldn't be putting out 17 Batman books a month if at least 15 of them didn't sell. Right. But here comes the problem to me is you put out 17 Batman books, but you're putting out 17. Like it's the character that sells. It's not the quality where I think if you put out other characters with quality, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, that's what it really comes down to is quality. We always said that. You have good stories and, and it helps. I think they use the crutch of slap anything with a bat on it and it'll sell. Where, you know, if we if we put some work into this, we could build up everything. But I think it's just an IP address for, you know, their movies and stuff like that. So they really don't care. They're like, just don't show that much of a loss on the books and everybody's happy. I don't know. I just found it interesting that... Right, and I feel we can kind of go on about this for a while because I would guess that the majority of the DC books that are being put out with the Batman name on them are of at least decent quality. 
Right. You know, they're not just putting schlock out. And again, you know, we could sit here and joke and say, uh, you know, oh, ha, ha, the Azrael thing, haha. Ha, but, right. you know, I'm sure that they are making an effort to put out decent Batman stuff, right? Right. And now when I did do compile this list, Joe, that included like side bat characters too. I consider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, like Birds of Prey, a bat book. You know what I mean? Because when they do the crossover, Birds of Prey is going in. You know, uh, so is like Young Justice with to me. If there's a main bat character in that book, they're they're using that to prop it up. Right now, I do want to just say this. Of course, I'm looking at the books that are coming out this week, mm-hmm. and you can find that over in the poll post. And we're kind of ahead of things there. When you go to DC's um, website and you go to like comics and you go to this, they have this week, last week, next week, and an upcoming. And don't click on upcoming because it just takes you to a dead link. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously things are in alphabetical order, but the first thing that they push on you is the graphic novel collection of Batman Damned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's officially solicited to come out this week. It just comes out saying available now. That's the first thing it pushes on you, right? Right. I, Batman Damned is out already as a graphic novel because our shop has it. Right. But when you go to what's out in stores this week, that's the first thing it pushes on you. Right. It defaults to that. Now, actual books that are being released this week, and I'm not counting reprints or trades or anything else like that. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of the books that are DC books coming out this week are Batman. Hmm. Seven of, hang on, counting on the show is fantastic, by the way. Easy. 10, 11, 12, 13. So of the 15 books, I'm sorry, 16 books that are coming out this week, seven of them are Batman books. Right. Right. Because, like, at this time, like we said, you have Detective and Batman coming out both the same week because they they double ship a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have a feeling if I had the old previews and I had done this month, the high, the the, the numbers probably would have skewed higher of Batman. Because you already have seven in this one week. That mm-hmm. was seven altogether in one month. And that's the month where we talked about it before that DC in November, DC is going to start cutting back their their output. Remember? Yeah, so they cut it back, and, you know, it's still Batman-heavy. Now, last week, of course, not as many. There was only six Batman books. Right. But I tell you, man, every week there's some sort of, you know, repurposing, republished, re-whatever. Facsimiles. And listen, it's, it's not like it's bad stuff, you know? Like, no, no. And I, I, you know, we joke about it all the time. Like last week, they put out a collection of the Greg Rucka, J.H. Williams Batwoman run mm-hmm. with a cover that looks like the TV show that's coming out. Good. That's great. That's a fantastic idea. It's a fantastic story. One of the better books that have been written in the last 10 years. You make it look like the thing that's going to be on TV soon, and you're going to trick people into buying good comic books. Yes. Now, it's saying it's having said all this and supporting Rob for a minute, I do have to slap Rob down a little bit. Oh, the Rob, because 
No, because like he'll he'll anytime you go after him, his answer is always, I'm in the industry, but nice spin, brother. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, that's great. Like, but you'll never talk about like you'll talk about how DC is doing bad, but I can bring up all the things that Marvel does. And you won't, you'll just say, that's not the way it is. I'm in the industry. Spin. Give me some proof. Where people are like, yeah, well, the books always start over after eight months with a new number one for $6.99. Like, this is how Marvel keeps their their share. Like, they're not doing it with good stories. They're doing it with tricks, too. But they're just different tricks. And Rob won't acknowledge them. And then he'll go, I'm in the industry. I know better. And I'm like, yeah, you're so, you know so much better. You lost the rights to your own characters. So, like, what... How am I supposed to believe you? You got lucky once and then sold a lot of books. I will admit with your X-Forced ones and all that garbage. It doesn't mean they were good. doesn't mean they were good. But you you won't acknowledge other stuff. You're just going to cherry pick your... your uh, your moments with this stuff and, and, and just ignore everything else. And that's what bothers me. So I defended Rob, but I also have to say like, he puts blinders on when, when, when Marvel's making him money and I get that, but you know, it happens over there too. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. When did comics become a business? (laughs) Now I I do just want to throw this out here as well. And obviously these are a little bit skewed numbers to be looking at, but they're the most recent numbers that we have. Remember when we used to do the numbers on the show all the time? Right. That's why I brought this back. So you can have like, you can reminisce Joe. Right. So let's go by dollar share. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the month of July, Marvel won. They had the dollar share of 41% to 27% to DC, right? Mm -hmm. Sizable difference. Now in the month of July, now we're only talking, you know, we're talking single issues. We're not talking trades and collections and everything else like that. Marvel, put out 105 books. DC put out 86 books. So almost 20 less books, and they're less than 15% behind on the dollars. Mm-hmm. So that means Marvel is shipping a lot more big-ticket books. And when you look at what the top 10 books for the month of July were, one, two, three, f- four, five of them are Marvel books. Four of them are DC books. One of them is the last issue of Walking Dead. Of course, that goes up, right? Right. So the DC books that all came out, um, it's a four ninety. It's a five ninety nine book. Uh, last Night on Earth, Curse of the White Knight, four ninety nine book. Batman Who Laughs, four ninety nine book. And then the regular Batman book, three ninety nine. Okay. Twice then. The Batman book twice. No, no, no. Just okay. So, ish, just issue seventy-four was in the top ten. Okay, I didn't know if they had when you said, but I got you. Right. So let's look at Marvel's books that are on the top ten. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have Immortal Hulk and Black Cat number two, normal three ninety-nine books. You have the first two issues of the new X Men crossover, which are six bucks a clip, and then you have Amazing Spider Man number twenty-five, which is an eight-dollar book. Right. So that's where you're going to get the money share from. Right, so that's where you're going to get the money share from, and that's what it, that's what matters at the end of the day. Right, and now like in all of this, it also that's great, and then you tack in people over ordering for those variant covers and stuff like that for Marvel, and I don't know, I just look at it as like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yes, there there are tricks all around, and in the end. 
yeah, those books are sold. And that's the thing where like there's good and there's bad in it where those books are sold for those variant covers, but those books sit in long boxes in comic shops because they're bought not to sell because that's how many you need, you, you need for your customers and you get a few more. No, you buy 50 more so you can get that variant cover to sell that really expensive, but then you're sitting on these books. So did these books sell? Yes. They Marvel sold them. They got their money. Too bad, comic shops. You do what you want with them. So do they sit in long boxes? And, and DC has this to a lesser extent. So I'm not just bagging on Marvel on that. But I look at it as, it, to the big industries, it's not about selling comics to the to the fans. It's about selling comics to the comic shop and then be damned with whatever you do with them. Because we don't care. We have our money already. And I think that's the piece people don't look at when they do all this. I don't know. I'm all over the place on this because I get riled up about sales. Right. So let's move off this. We talked about this to death. Let's move on to some of the conventions that are going on this weekend because there's a bunch. Right. We have the Golden Triangle Comic Con in Mayhew, Mississippi. Kind of an outlier of a convention. The only real big name on this is Tom DeFalco. And they have like a thing where you can have like lunch with Tom DeFalco and whatever it is. I would go if I lived in the greater Mississippi area just so that I could talk to Tom DeFalco about the clone saga. Oh, boy. Speaking of sales numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Heroes Con in Stockholm, Sweden. Sweden? Sweden. Sweden. (laughs) That's a Muppet. Where Art Adams, Lee Brahimo, and uh, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti are there. And I think if I f- follow their social media correctly, Amanda and Jimmy are already in uh, Stockholm enjoying the sights and sounds and so forth. Yes, I saw they were tweeting out their breakfast look, looked delicious the other day. Yes. It was sliced cheese and meat and then a bread thing filled with white round stuff. And I want to know what that was, but mm-hmm. looked delicious. Uh, we have Rochester Rock Con in Rochester, New York. Uh, Joey Fatone and Michael Dorn, who was a Star Trek of some kind, are the uh, big featured guests there. And I only bring this up that the last time that there was a convention in Rochester, New York, uh, Dwight Gooden got busted for cocaine possession. You love bringing that up. It happened again. Uh, I don't know if it's this specific uh, umbrella of conventions. But I didn't see Marty Jannetty or the Rock and Roll Express booked for this either. So I think Joey Fatone and Michael uh, Michael Dorner are safe. I hope so. Uh, we have the Monroe Pop Fest in Monroe, Michigan. James O'Barr is going to be there. Tyler Maine, who played uh, Sabretooth in some of the earlier X-Men movies, as well as uh, Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. And Barbie Blank is going to be there, who you would know better as Kelly Kelly. From the World Wrestling Entertainment. I wonder how quickly she is going to get out of Monroe, Michigan. I wonder if it's going to be as quick as she got out of Akron, Ohio when she was there a few months ago. I'm not even asking. Move on. It's a wrestling thing, of course. Oh, shocking. Yes. Uh, South City Comic Con in San Mateo, California. Eric Larson, Larry Stroman, Dan Brereton are going to be there. Uh, Eric Larson's a character. I don't know. Just throw that out there. (laughs) Right. Uh, Saskatoon Entertainment Expo in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, we've got media types like Billy D. Williams and Michael Rook are going to be there. Uh, I wonder if someone can get an interview with Billy D. Williams. 
but on the comic book side of things, Tom Grummet, Scott Collins, Rags Morales, uh, Mark's Tixaria. Uh, I know I pronounced that wrong. It's like Tixera, isn't it? I'm not 100% sure, but I know he played for the Yankees. Mm. Now, while I, I'm a big fan of Tom Grummet and Scott Collins, Granite State Comic Con in Manchester, New Hampshire is not only closer, but also has a similarly awesome uh, grouping of comic book folks. Uh, Kevin Eastman, Paul Pelletier, J.K. Woodward, Phil Noto, uh, Simon Bisley, and Ed McGinnis are going to be at that one. Mm, I want something from Phil Noto. Right. But the biggie of this weekend, Todd, is Rose City Comic Con in Portland, Oregon. The other Emerald City Comic Con. <laughs> uh, on the comic book side of things, Aaron Lepresti, uh, Adam Kubert, Kerry Nord, Cully Hamner, Greg Rucka, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, Matt Fraction, Terry and Rachel Dodson, who I haven't seen their names pop up on anything in quite some time. Kyle Stark's getting flown across the country for this one, so I tip my John Cena hat to him. Uh, I hope they have Coke Zero for them. I hope so. Yes. Uh, Hang on. Let me... uh, Make sure, because I don't know if it was Coke whatever, but if he ain't got it, he gets crotchety. Yeah, hang on. Let me tweet to Rose City Comic Con now. Rose City Comic Con. Okay. Let me tweet at them. Hang on. Please make... Or to have plenty of Coke Zero. I'm going to tag Coke Zero in this, too. Sure, why not? Yeah. I don't know if Coke Zero is a thing. Uh, I bet you it is. Coke Zero. On hand... For my friend, Kyle Starks, this weekend. Thank you. All right, we'll see if we get any action on that one. We never get any action on any of your tweets during the show. It always makes me a little sad. I know. I hope to one day, you know, get some action while we're recording it, you know? Media guests, though, at this one. Uh, again, while there's a ton of good comic book type folks, media guests. Anthony Michael Hall is going to be there. Robert England is going to be there. Ooh. Tim Curry is going to be there. It makes me happy to see Tim Curry out and about. He had uh, some health issues earlier in the year, uh, so that makes me happy. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic is going to be there. Kelly LeBrock is going to be there. <sighs> It's a weird science reunion. Right. Anthony Michael Hall, Kelly LeBrock, and uh, what was the other guy's name who no one knows? I don't know who it is. And then is Bill Paxton going to show up? Isn't Bill Paxton deceased? I think he is. I always get my Bills, my Pullmans, and yes. my Paxtons crossed up. Bill Paxton is sadly deceased. But you know oh, who's man. not deceased? Hmm. Who's going to be at Rose City Comic Con this weekend? <laughs> Holly Shore. Oh, the weasel. Mm-hmm. Weasel the juice. Wheezing the juice. Do you remember that? No, wheezing the juice. Todd, of course I do. I had a I don't know if you. Po- I had a Polly Shore poster on my on my door in my bedroom as a kid growing up that had a, like all of his slang words on it. 
Yeah, not what's your face from We Got It Made. You had, you had Oh Molly. my god, I don't even know what that is. You don't remember made. We Got It Made? No. It was a show about two schmoes that ended up getting a hot Terry Copley, I think her name was, and they got a hot maid to like clean up around the house and they had wacky adventures. Oh my god, but it was like We Got It M A I D. I've never show. heard of the show, but it exists. It claims uh, the internet claims that it exists from 1983 to 1988. Right. It was on five years. Yes. Oh my god. I thought it was two and out, but great show. And right around 83, if if you get a chance to like uh, Google Terry Copley at the height of her powers, um, you might wanna you might wanna look at that. And I don't know why I found that show so great at 10 to to like 15 i don't know hop height of her powers let's see do i need to turn off my safe search for terry copley i don't think so ah, she looks all right she looks like uh you know she got the big like fair faucet hair she looks like she's uh you know i don't want to say dime store uh fair faucet but it's like uh the non-union equivalent right yeah <laughs> like steven spielberg but anyway, so now I've now that I've uh, now that I've you know educated you on we got it made, we could move on. Right, exactly. So uh, all the links to all these conventions will be in the show notes for this episode, along with link to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, where you can find this and all the other great shows in our network of like minded individuals, friends, compatriots, and so forth. Uh, like I said, this show, Longbox Heroes, of course, Longbox Heroes After Dark where we're going to discuss Todd's adventures in New York City all by his lonesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little smattering of the much maligned and much disappeared dad distractions as I lament about uh, raising a second grader and going to their school and so forth. Uh, just a bit of a tease for that when that comes out later this week. Unless you're a patron, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Of course, we also have Puzzle Warriors 3 discussing Marvel Puzzle Quest, uh, my favorite video game, because, uh, you know, it's easy as on my phone all the time. Uh, also, Profane Arguments. Uh, we have Wednesday Night War, hosted by our good buddy DJ and uh, his friend Brett. I'm sure they're going to be talking about the latest episode of NXT that's going to be coming up this week, preparing themselves for the big NXT AEW battle. And lastly, Final Wrestling Place, where friends of mine, Marcus and Tim, take two things from wrestling history and decide whether or not they belong in the good place or the bad place. They have a lot more production value on their show uh, than I do. They even had Kiss play them in uh, a week <laughs> or two ago on the episode. Oh, my goodness. And then they wondered if there's just like how in wrestling there's like snitch taggers and cop collars. And in mm-hmm. comics, there's snitch taggers and cop collars. They wonder if like Kiss has people that go and listen to like podcasts and stuff to see if they're using like the appropriate amount of Kiss without having to pay them royalties. Right. We're crusty's like, yeah, stop. We play anymore. We got to pay for it. Right. So uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, also, over in the show notes, you can find out some information about uh, the digital sales going on this week. Uh, Image is having two different sales going on. One is just kind of a generic sci-fi sale, quote-unquote. Uh, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, Jay Farber's Copperhead is in there. Uh, Godland is in there. An original graphic novel that kind of came and went from one of my favorite writers, Joe Kelly, is in that. Uh, sadly, not included in a sci-fi sale is Saga, which is, you know, about as sci-fi as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they're also doing a sale on Jamie McKelvey, Kieran Gillen stuff, because I guess this week is the final issue of The Wicked and the Divine, and I know I'm purposely saying that incorrectly, uh, but you can certainly check out some of the other stuff both McKelvey and Ke- uh, Gillen have done over at Image, not just The Wicked and the Divine. Marvel is having a sale on all of their Ultimate Universe uh, sale item things and so forth. IDW is doing a sale on fantasy and gaming-related stuff. They got a lot of good stuff there. IDW gets a whole bunch of, like, licensed books and stuff, so I'm sure there's tons of good stuff in there. And DC is having a 100 essential graphic novel sale, and the big header banner says, the 100 graphic novels you need to read before you die. Ooh. Ah, Todd. And, uh, of course, included in this, uh, no DC sale would be complete without... (laughs) Batman The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year Ones. They're not wrong, but it's been a long time since I've made that joke. Uh, I don't know. You know, go buy that Bat- Batwoman elegy that we talked about before. You know, you can get that for five bucks. That's really good. I wonder if they uh, sell it both ways with the covers. You can ch- choose your cover adventure. I think you can only choose the one cover. Uh, I don't know. You can get Watchmen for five bucks. You know, that's, that's a good comic book that people have uh, talked about before. Right. But it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of one hitters, you know. It's a lot of like right. here's the first trade of preacher. Here's the first trade of fables. Here's the first trade of you know Astro City or whatever it is. Good stuff. Um, I don't see Camelot three thousand in here though. I'm just uh, saying that's because it's the unloved masterpiece. <sighs> all right. So all the links to those will be in the show notes. Uh, the digital say or the freebies from Marvel are still the same. Those have not changed. It's those four weird what-if books, the more recent what-if books. But now it's time to get into what we read from this past week, of course. Uh, I know Todd and I were both looking looking forward to the same issue, but we're going to talk about Legion of Superheroes Millennium first. Right. Written by Brian Michael Bendis with a host of artists because there's various different, like, epics throughout it. But this is the story of Rose, who is... Of Rose and Thorn, the multi-personality hero vigilante from DC Comics in the far-flung future, which doesn't make much sense because she never had powers other than just that she she would the Thorn would take her over and go fight crime. And this is her talking about how she doesn't something happened to her and she's been living her life because something happened to her while she was Thorn and she can't remember it. Um, but now she's running out of medication that has kept Thorn under wraps because they don't make it anymore. And she's talking to people like Supergirl in the far flung future. And then a little bit later, Batman Beyond. And then she's in the commandy stuff. And I'm not sh- This is one of those things that as the book goes on, I'm not sure how the DC future works right now. I used to have like a PhD back, you know, in the post. Christ's on Infinite Earth. So I'm not sure if these are all one timeline or if she's like going through over the years going to see them or if the future's changing because we'll get to something in another book where the Legion's future may change. I enjoyed this book. This book was fun, but for a book called Legion of Superheroes, boy, howdy, they sure don't have a lot of Legion of Superheroes in there. Um, so, which I think is a bit of a misnomer. I think this book should have been called Legion of Superheroes, the prologue or something, because they're not in here at all. 
other than like a mention at one one or two points. So, like I said, I enjoyed the story. I think it's a bit of false advertising. That looks good with all the artists, like a lot of beautiful stuff in there. But I'm really like torn on this book. But I like the fact that he uses uh, uh, Rose from Rose and Thorn, who's been bopping around his Superman books, which I know you're not reading, but I'm still reading. So. I like how he's working it all in together uh, with his universe and stuff like that. But I think it could have been a better book. Now, while I agree with you, I think this worked very well for someone who maybe hasn't read any Legion stuff in a long time. Mm -hmm. And they've set this new character up, at least new to maybe you being a Legion fan or maybe someone who's not as familiar with the current Superman book or at the very least like your C and D list. Superman villains or supporting characters or whatever Rosenthorn is. Right. I think they did a really good job of getting over Rosenthorn as not only what the power entails, what the relationship is with the split personality, but also setting up that she is hopefully going to be an important cog in this because as you ask now, a lot of times I don't read the solicitation texts on, on stuff, right? Cause as we right. discussed last week, you know, in that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man thing, it was all jumbled and all over the place. And one spot it said this, and one spot it said that. That's kind of more of a Marvel thing. DC's a little bit more clear and concise on this sort of thing. So I do just want to read to you, Todd, that it does say in here that this epic story spans the course of a thousand years and for the very first time connects all of DC's future timelines. Oh, okay. And, and then it specifically says... Starring the unlikeliest of DC heroes as they learn to cope with their newfound immortality. So they do a good job of trying to shield who the character is mm-hmm. and saying that they now have this newfound immortality. Okay, which, yes, which is stated right in the book. I understood that. Right. But she doesn't know why. Right, okay, so she doesn't know why, but at least if you read the solicitation text, you get that's what you get in this story. You know what I mean? Uh- Fair enough, but like I said, like you said, we don't read the solicits, so because I was getting the book anyway. Right, you, you and I don't, but other people do. The only one that I'm mad is she didn't get to meet Jonah Hex in the apocalyptic future. That's the that's the story I wanted to read. Oh well, but but do you see what I mean though? In that there's not like I got Legion showing up in my Superman books just last issue right. uh, with that crossover, whatever. So technically I've had more Legion in my Superman book than I had in my Legion book. And that's, like I said, the only gripe that I really have with it. And, and I get two issues. I, I get where you're coming from. This is the, the prologue to it. This right. was them slapping the Legion name on a Rosenthorn book to get you to buy a Rosenthorn book. Right. It's a bait. It's a good bait and switch, but yes. to me, it's still a bait and switch, which I don't this like. This is one of the few times where I accept this bait and switch. I accept it and I like it, but I think there should have been just a smidge. Like maybe if they even just appeared at the end, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I don't know, like I, I, I seem like I'm griping on it too much, but like I said, I, I was a little confused and I wish I had read the text because I thought that the future was changing for the Legion because apparently in our present slash near future of comics, Legion has been a race due to some clocks at the doomsday area. I don't know. Oh no. I hope they're okay. Me too. So, speaking of clocks at a doomsday area, 
I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, but... I tripped up on that one, but it works for me. Hey, Todd, Doomsday Clock 11 came out. Yes, it did. Uh, Written by Jeff Johns with art by Gary Frank. Good art by Gary Frank. Yes, and before we get into things, did you... Todd had pointed out to me that Gary Frank thinks the book is almost done and thinks that the last issue is solicited to come out in November. Right, so that means... It's definitely coming out in December. He was just slightly confused because if he's Joe, just just roll with me on this, okay? Okay. Because I'm all in on this one, and you and there's no paper trail to make me look crazy at all on this. What? Um, I think if the artist says it's solicited for November, it must almost be done. He's ready to go. Why would Gary Frank lie, man? It's it's all good. 12th uh, month of the year, fourth quarter, get that extra cash in and DC's ready to fly. Get that doomsday clock money. It's going to come out that week, that weird week of Christmas when nothing comes out. They're just going to drop doomsday clock 12. Okay. Now, typically I'll say this for many, many people, but I don't want to say this for Gary Frank because you just you know mentioned about him. I don't want to say stupid or liar for Gary Frank. I don't think he's intentionally lying. And I don't think Gary Frank is a stupid person. He obviously seems to be a very intelligent person who is a very creative person as well. But I think Gary Frank is so punchy from having to work on this book, he don't know time no more. He thinks thinks it's May of 2018 and this book is right on schedule. So when people are saying, hey, is issue 12 coming out in November, he still thinks he's on the original pitch timeline of this book. That's right. He hasn't checked his clock, his Doomsday Clock lately. Right. But as we discussed, uh, Doomsday Clock 12 was not solicited for November solicitations. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, all the companies are already rolling out their December solicitations for some reason. And you would think that if this book was coming out in December, DC might lead with this book coming out of their December solicitations. It's not nothing. And Todd even jokingly said that maybe it's going to be like that image book, Die, 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 that Robert Kirkman did, (laughs) where just all of a sudden it just shows up in comic book shops. Stealth release. I'll say there's like a 2% chance of that happening, Todd. I, I, you know what? I'll take the the yin to your yang and say there's a 98% chance of that happening. Okay. So this issue is the one where we kind of get what everything's been building toward mm-hmm. both with what Ozymandias' plan is and with Lex Luthor discovering the plan so it's two stories that are kind of going on at the same time Ozymandias has been moving the chess pieces on the board in maybe the most convoluted yeah. and over difficult because again you can't say it would like whatever the opposite of oversimplified is needlessly elaborate way Mm -hmm. to get superman and dr manhattan in the same place at the same time to save their world but dr manhattan knows that once he and superman meet up together it will be the end of him Ozymandias also knows that it's going to be the end of him as well, but at least their world will be saved. Mm-hmm. On the on the B story, Lex Luthor has figured out that Superman is the connection to this, and also 
this guy John in this photo is also the connection to this. And this is that famous photo of Dr. Manhattan before he gets transferred, uh, transformed into Dr. Manhattan at that fair. And Lex has gone over every aspect of this photo because he's found dozens of them at all different points, at all different times, all unnoticed. And while all these huge events were going on, they they only did it like one or two times. But if you read that back matter, it's a lot more. They only show us like one or two. Where it's like, here's this pivotal moment where Wally West, the Wally West that we know, comes back into the current existing timeline. Mm-hmm. And in the background, no one notices Lex Luthor show up. Right. Find this picture and take it into compare to the, all the other ones that he has in his special picture room, right? Right. And Lex is noticing all different things about the picture. It's like, well, he's wearing a coat. Uh, you know, the picture is definitely from this time, but the manufacture of the coat happened 10 years later. So Lex knows what some that something's going on. He's on to what's going on, but he doesn't really kind of let us know just yet. What Lex is doing is a little less clear than what Ozymandias is doing. Mm-hmm. But we finally, after five issues, get, uh, was it, Mer- Punch? I want to call them Punch and Judy, but that's not correct. <laughs> right. Mime uh, the- and Mimet. Right. We finally get them to show up. And the reason that they're even involved in this is the most, like, hackneyed, thrown together, like, oh, I guess they had to be there because of this. And then the new Rorschach is there because Ozymandias made him think that uh, his dad and the original Rorschach were actually closer friends than they really were, but it really weren't. And he manipulated him to get everything to all these points in time. Alfred makes some pancakes. There's a lot of pancake making going on in this. Um, I don't think, no matter what happened to this book, with the delays and the discussion, I was going to be 100% satisfied, but I have to give Jeff Johns credit for at least trying to make sense of it all. It don't make sense. Needlessly elaborate. They went like, they made four lefts to make a right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Joe, there's still one issue left coming <laughs> out secretly. There's still one issue left to wrap Se- it all up. Doc. Secretly in November, there's one issue left, unless they add an extra issue and give it a better ending. Um, th- that I'm with you. I, I read this, but I have a different opinion. I was, because of the three-month gap and what was, I was so lost reading this book so lost that my brain had checked out completely checked out halfway through i'm like i don't understand any of this plan i'm letting so i'm gonna pull the curtain back i'm letting joe handle this because my weak little brain can't handle any of the knowledge that has just been given so when 12 comes out secretly in no in december i'm gonna read one through 11 and then read 12 again and hopefully this will all make sense but I didn't know what to say about Doomsday Clock Eleven because my, I couldn't I couldn't absorb anything that happened in this book, anything. So I think it's a fail because of the schedule. I don't know how it would have been for me if I had read it closer together. But man, I just want this to be over at this point. Well, you're in the Gary Frank camp that thinks it's going to come out in November. 
I won't be that crazy. You think I'm that crazy? I still think it's going to be secretly out in December. Not so crazy thoughts. Um, but I would like to be able to have the time to reread the entire series before. Mm-hmm. I did read like a little primer about the book just to kind of refresh myself at some points. And I read this book as soon as I came home from the comic shop on Wednesday. Right. It wasn't one of these things where like, I'm waiting to the next day. Like I need to read this now. Like this is crucial that this gets read right now. Right. I waited a couple of days because as I will talk about on the after dark, uh, my schedule Wednesday into Thursday into Friday was crazy. So Mm -hmm. And hey, listen, if talking about the jumbled mess that is Doomsday Clock wasn't enough for you, now it's time to turn the reins over the, of the show over to my friend James for the Mutant Minute. people are asked to name their favorite Star Wars film, it really comes down to what they love. The Search for Power Converters, A New Hope, Lovable Teddy Bears, Return of the Jedi, a breathtaking subversion of what a Star Wars film can be that ruthlessly interrogates the role of the classic adventure fiction hero and bravely puts forward that even the best of heroes ultimately fail and the best thing that they can do is to become a story that can be reinterpreted and reimagined by future generations. Well, The Last Jedi. But as you listen to this, I think it's worth unpacking why you ultimately decided, the way most people do, that Empire Strikes Back is in fact your favourite Star Wars film. Empire Strikes Back rules, because it's the middle section of an epic trilogy, and it has the most time to play around in the universe it has created without needing to do pesky things like introduce all the characters or wrap up the narrative. It can improve on aspects of the original film, for example, by retconning the little kiss in New Hope into being a sexy moment of sibling flirtation, or by introducing the central main twist of the original trilogy and one of the best moments in all of cinema. But the main reason we love Empire Strikes Back is because it does something refreshing that modern cinema almost never does. It lets the bad guys win. The ending of Empire Strikes Back is very bleak. Lando has betrayed everyone. Our heroes have failed, Han Solo is still frozen in carbonite, and Luke has lost the jewel, his mind, and his hand. And if you want to see how any of it gets resolved, then you better give us more money as the years go on, because this is the middle part of the story, and nothing is getting resolved here. We often root for the villains in fiction. Even in the case of the original Star Wars movies, where the dark side of the Force is explicitly aligned with 1940s fascist politics. Or the modern Star Wars movies, where the villain is now a whingy alt-right edgelord who is extremely online and can't process his feelings about women in a healthy way. So, the fascist politics of right now. Simply put, the villains often get more nuanced characterization. They are allowed to be ruled by baser emotions than the oh-so-noble heroes. Like we are. And they have fatal character flaws, like a pull to the light side, or a hatred of sand, to spice them up and keep them interesting. In Avengers Infinity War, 
Thanos is so cool and so eloquent and so interesting that several thousand people have joined a subreddit group that celebrates random genocide, which was a real stretch for the average Redditor to join. It's fun to see Thanos win, half the cast die, and the movie simply end. It's cathartic to watch Hannibal Lecter stop for a light snack, or to root for Freddy Krueger, and not the teens. House of X5 has semi-sympathetic villains. They are explicitly shown to have loved ones, lives outside of their villainy, and they have understandable motivations. He goes to a lot of trouble to set that up. But the main reason House of X5 is fun is because the villains win. The suicide mission becomes very, very literal, and everybody dies. Yes, that's right. Everyone is definitely dead in part 7 out of 12 of an introductory story to a multi-year run. And, if you need to see how any of this gets resolved, true believer, then you better give us more money as the weeks go on, because this is the middle of the story, and nothing is getting resolved here. Until next time, on the Mutant Minute! Thank you very much, James. And I know it's not a 12-issue miniseries. It's kind of two six-issue miniseries running concurrently to each other. But I don't know. Really, all you did was make me want to watch Star Wars again. Hey, man. I'm a nice guy, and I like all the Star Wars movies, okay? That's all I got. I must have missed you saying except episode one. But anyway. Oh. I like episode one more than I like episode two. How's that for a controversial uh, opinion? <laughs> wow. You want to go all the way out on that limb? Woo. Yeah, I didn't say something crazy like episode three is actually good. Oh. And listen, I'm not saying episode two is good. I'm not saying episode one is good. Next I'm certainly week. not saying episode three is good. I'm just saying Next if I have to choose one of those three movies, I'm choosing one. Next, you're going to say Rogue One is bad. Nah, that's only that's there's a list of people that say that, and I don't want to talk about that list. But what I do want to talk about is a different list, and that's the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the other books that are coming out this week. Head over to longboxheroes.com, usually around 5 30 Eastern time or so. Today was a little bit late. I'll explain I explained <laughs> that on After Dark why it was late, why everything was late this week. Um, you could find out uh, all the books that are coming out, whether you get your books in print, digitally. Send to your home, however it is that you get your books. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. Be prepared. Every week, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out uh, this week. Uh, Todd has a healthy lead over me with uh, seven correct guesses over mine. And I don't think there's going to be much more movement this week uh, as the book that Todd is looking for. There is no thought process here. I don't have to, like, look at some <laughs> tea leaves or something like that. This is a very clear-cut answer. The book that Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week is King Thor number one. Jason Aaron, Asad Ripik on Old Man Thor. Of course, that's the book I'm looking forward to most. Nailed it, Joe. Um, I'm looking over your books, and is it also uh, Old Man Thor? Yes, it is, of course, uh, for the very same reasons that you just mentioned, Todd. Mm-hmm. And while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the stuff that Todd and I have done in the past, whether it be uh, past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe have issues. You can also visit our store uh, for shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them. 
Uh, if you want more uh, apparel with our logos on them, uh, add-ons with wrestling logos, which I forgot to plug during the show plugs earlier uh, on, but it gets its own plug. You know, it's me and Adam. You know, we're talking about wrestling. Uh, a lot of wrestling shows in the network these days, <laughs> uh, whether it be add-ons with wrestling uh, shirts, soon-to-be-named network shirts, and I hear there may be even some more designs in the works coming soon. I say that all the time, but this time it might be real. Uh, head over to our T public uh, store. I don't know if they're doing a sale currently, but you know, check to see if they're doing a sale first. Yes. You can also help us out uh, by signing up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you're going to help us out. You're going to get those old episodes of the uh, three guys from nowhere podcast that myself, Todd and our good buddy DJ did way, way, way back some 10 plus years ago. I do dole them out kind of like once every other week, but for $5, you get After Dark two days before everybody else. Uh, now, I know Todd and I have discussed both publicly and privately that we are looking to do more content on the Patreon going forward, and we will. Just got to find that time to do so. And the idea. Right. Well, we have a bunch of ideas. We just got to figure out uh, which Logistics, one. right. Yeah, the logistics of it. The logistics of it. Yes, yes. Uh, and also, another way that you can help us out without anything extra out of your pocket is everybody needs other stuff. And you can get pretty much everything else in the world except for, you know, uh, our shirts with our logos on them and After Dark two days early through Amazon. And you wouldn't know that Amazon existed if it wasn't for us telling you about it and specifically directing you to our link at the top of our page over at longboxheroes.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It gives us a little bit of a kickback uh, from Amazon. Like I said, they call it an advertising fee because where would you, the Amazon consumer, be without us? Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts, pointing you in the direction of this little tiny site called Amazon. The little company that could. That's right. Uh, well, I'm not going to continue that statement because we we're not that show. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week is an Xsense portable charger with two USB outputs. I tell you, man, my phone works a lot of times, but I see so many people walking around with, like, that portable charger with, like, the cord in their pocket with their phone. And I'm like, I want to be that person. But then I don't. I end up not being that person. That sounds like a delightful thing for, like, a Comic-Con or something. Yes. Uh, somebody also purchased a pack of two Comic Mount comic book frames. Uh, so if you recently purchased some fancy comics that you want to frame up on your wall, uh, thank you very much for purchasing them through us. Uh, somebody also purchased from the Brad Meltzer, oh boy, and I feel bad because I forget who the artist on those, Joe Carmengiele, and I know I'm mispronouncing that. I know you're going to say it. nailed it. Nailed it. From the series of Ordinary People Change the World books, uh, I am Walt Disney and I am Madame Curie. Uh, those two books. And somebody also purchased a World Wrestling Entertainment Elite Collection Sasha Banks action figure. Wow, that sounds boss. That's right. Oh, look at you knowing things from professional wrestling. What? I don't know anything. I forgot that you know a couple, two, three things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but let me pull up. I, and again, I just want to make sure that I get that uh, artist on the uh, Ordinary People Change the World things. Yes, my apologies. It's uh, Brad Meltzer and Chris Iliopoulos. Ah, okay. uh, You would recognize his work. Uh, from the around the time when they were doing the Marvel like the the Marvel minis like Spider Man and the the Marvel minis, right? Wasn't he doing like Franklin and and Herbie stuff? Yeah, 
Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 You'd recognize the stuff from there. Uh, so thanks to everyone who made any purchases through the Amazon click through this past week. Of course, um, it is too late. Uh, well, again, I don't know. Some of us are doing pretty bad over the uh, pigskin pick'em. So I don't know. You want to handicap the rest of us and go sign up uh, on week two for your picks. We've got about 44 people in there. And uh, shout out to listener, friend of the show, former member of the soon-to-be-named network, back when he had his own wrestling podcast, Rochester's own Joey Shoots, who went 13 on the week, right? Ooh, yeah. He got one incorrect. Uh, is, that, no, is that how that no. works out or no? No, there's 16 games, so he got three wrong. Oh, okay. Two, Yeah, three wrong. So uh, he is in the lead. He has not picked his... Uh, uh, picks for the upcoming week, and uh, he's got you know about twenty four or forty eight hours from the time that this is coming out live. And uh, you're right behind him in second place, huh? That's right. I I'm gonna have some stamina this year, Joe. You're tied with eight other people, but you're still there. That's right. I'm one away. Come on, I'm, mm-hmm. that that lead is mine if I don't mess up. Right. So we'll see if Joey can hold on to that. I know he's involved in some other football pools. Maybe he'll be, he'd be willing to put his uh, 24-7 replica title on the line uh, for this one as well. Against my Intergalactic at the, at the Longhorn Steakhouse? Yes, there you go. I like the cut of that. So, oh. uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. We had two that so, looked almost exactly the same. Um, I went first, so I will I will read mine. I got a Bill Amend Jason Fox from the newspaper strip Foxtrot in my sketchbook. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Foxtrot at all, Joe? I am. Such a great like uh, like newspaper comic strip. I loved it growing like reading it over the years. Um, I think it's only in Sunday papers now. I remember when it was daily, and then you know you had the Sunday the Sunday paper. But Bill Amend was a super nice guy. I ended up picking up that, and I ended up it was completely free. So I was like, oh, thank. He's like, yeah, I only do like a little Jason, or I do the iguana sometimes, but I don't, you know, I mix it up if maybe you have like you already have a Jason, so I'll do something else. But uh, I bought I bought a. Jason in the comic strips has his lucky 20-sided die for Dungeons and Dragons, and it's all 20s, which is hysterical. So he had he had uh bagged, he had Jason's lucky die, and there were 20-sided dice with tw- all 20s on every side. So I was like, seven dollars, I'll take one of those, I'll support you, I'll grab one of those. And he ended up doing the sketch for me. And then T Bolt 712 was there also, and he ended up getting uh, a Jason. But mine says hi, Todd, because you know. Jason likes me better. so But they're cute little sketches. Yep. And, uh, hey, go to foxtrot.com. If you don't have a Sunday paper, you don't read the Sunday paper, uh, all the uh, comics are up there. Yep. And he's got a little store. You can sign up for the mailing list. You can buy the collections of all the other books. And you can even buy your own replica, Jason's Lucky D20. Right. I forgot what it was called. I don't have it in front of me. But yep. It's on the website. So, hey, hey, pretty cool. And, Todd, do we have anything else? No, I think that's absolutely everything, Joe. I think until TV talk comes back, we might move. Well, I don't know. i got to keep the plugs kind of, like, in the middle there. Because we don't want people just cutting it off, you know? Right, yeah, because they'll be like, here comes the plugs. And be like, no. Mm-hmm. At least it's not the same Crick and Loans ad five times. 
I would do a Quicken Loans ad five times. I don't care. Mm. Todd, I know you listen to about a third of the podcast that I listen to. Right. It's only three podcasts that I really like, but they don't come out often. (laughs) What? Maybe you could recommend one to me. (laughs) Maybe I'll spam you with a whole three of them. All right. But I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I tell you, man, sometimes those ad reads of podcasts make me sad. They hurt my shoes when I hear the people (laughs) read these things that they don't believe in. What? I believe in loans being quick. Well, there's a pop, like, and everyone has, like, these things. It's like, hey, you know, we just kind of do it through our WordPress site, and there's an RSS feed that kind of links to the, you know, the the, the iTunes and the podcatcher of your choice. And then there's all these other people that will use, like, SoundCloud, and that's kind of like a free hosting. But then, you know, if you want to go over a certain amount of time, you have to do this, and then they have caps on that. But then there's a whole bunch of companies that'll be like, hey, you bring your stuff over to us, we'll host the site, and we'll get you ad revenue. Mm-hmm. We're going to get you ads that we're either going to have you read during the course of your show, or that we're going to drop into your show. And it's those drop-in ones, Todd. Right. Uh, and again, I don't want to uh, spreak ill of the one in particular, but for the longest time, they were giving me tailored ads as though I lived in Ireland. <laughs> you bought, you bought like, you know, lucky charms once. And now, now they're like, Hey, no, they were like having me like, Oh, for like Ireland savings and loan or like something that's going to be on like Ireland TV, like whatever the network is over there. And I have no idea how it was reading that from my, you know, my IP address. Mm-hmm. But now, and then, it would happen is like it would be that your two front loaded and then the two would just kind of drop randomly into the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. And then I learned from talking to people that use this company that you could tell this company, I want them dropped in at this spot on the show. Right. So it's not in the mid of mid sentence. Right. So it's not mid sentence. And that's kind of like a scatter buckshot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I get, they get you big advertisers and they drop into the middle of your show. And if it works perfectly, that's great. But when it's the same two quick and loan ads to start your show back to back, the same two quick and loan ads in the middle of your show. And then the quick and loan ad again, dropped in over what you're saying. I don't know if it's having the desired effect that they're promising that it does. I got to go to quick and loans right now. Oh, I think boy. it's having a good effect. I mean, I want to. I want all the Quicken loans right now. Anyway, that's a, that's a little taste of After Dark for you there. Uh, just me lamenting about how these pod catchers and I don't know. I feel some people might be getting taken down a primrose path. That's all I'm saying, Todd. Just uh, you know what? People love your podcast pet peeves. So wherever you lay them. Yeah. It's good. You just you get it all out, Joe. I want you to be empty of of anger and hate, and this helps. Oh, Todd. So you know what? And this is, and I'll close on this <laughs> on anger and hate. I will never be empty of anger and hate because I heard on another podcast, the Dana Gould podcast. He has many comedians on, uh, and the comedian said, obviously, it's a bit from his act. Said. Holding a grudge 
is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. <laughs> that's a great quote. Uh, first of all, that's a great quote. And I said, that describes me to a T. Mm. <laughs> I didn't see the negative aspects of that. <laughs> like, hmm, hopefully they will die. I go, well, I have to double down to the poison now. Mm, that's right. I'll have two cups, please. All right, everybody. Enough of this prattling on. Thanks for hanging in with us. Episode 467 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.